You are now listening to the Online Course Podcast, the place where online course creators come to learn how to sell more of their online courses. Here's your host, Jono Petrohilos. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got a very special guest on the line this week, all the way in the other side of the world. It's it's funny. She's from Miami. She's from um, Florida. And it's interesting in that part of the world. It's like the complete opposite to Australia. Over here, it's 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Over there, I think it's like 7 or 8 p.m. on on Tuesday night. So you can't get any further away before you start coming back again. Um, What we're going to be talking about today is the entrepreneurial minimum wage, what it is, and how to achieve it in 30 days. Before we get into it, let me introduce my guest. She's a 20-year, five-time entrepreneur and advocate for women and social justice. She's the CEO of Selling with Service, which empowers women to make money and create change. Uh, she does this by simplifying systems and streamlining sales for a flagship program, the Sales School for Entrepreneurs, which teaches women to develop a high-touch, low-tech boutique business so they can experience their their first of forever five-figure months. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Liz Dedera. Liz, how are you? I am fabulous. Thank you for having me all the way on the other side of the world here. No, thank you for for coming on. What is the time? Is it what seven p.m. eight p.m.? It is seven p.m. Yep, seven p.m. Yeah, so it is almost exactly the opposites. Um, Liz, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? Of course, I do. I think the one that I've been saying the most lately that resonates the strongest is "A rising tide lifts all boats." Okay, and what does that mean to you, Liz? To me, that means that all of us together doing a little bit will raise each other up when we're too focused on our solo missions at times, we're too focused on our solo missions. But when we recognize that we're the ocean is a drop of water, we are a drop of water in the ocean, a rising tide will lift all the boats. Yes, love it. I like a, a similar version of that. One of mine is, let me make sure I don't, I don't stuff it up. Um, you can have anything in life you want if you just help other people get what they want. And that's the yeah. way I like to look at it. It's like, if I'm just driven on my mission, okay, me, 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 eh, maybe I'll, I'll make a few sales, make a few dollars. Um, but if I focus on other people, okay, how can I help them? Okay, cool. That's going to help my mission there. So I, I love that. Um, okay. I'm going to hand it over to you from here, Liz. So I've got your, your little bio here and there's some really cool topics. And this one caught my mind where I'm like the entrepreneurial minimum wage. What is it and how to achieve it in 30 days? Let's, let's start with the what is it? What is the entrepreneurial minimum wage? Well, I want to start with why I came up with it. Okay. You know, yeah. There is data around it, um, but I want to start with why I came up with it. So I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years. I've been specifically working with women entrepreneurs for about the better part of the past decade. And one of the things that I found in helping them to build their micro businesses, their coaching businesses, service-based businesses, et cetera, is when I start working with them, I say, okay, how much have you made? How much do you want to make? And it was pulling teeth initially to get them to say anything more from, for a goal perspective, you you know, it'd be pie in the sky. I want to make a million dollars by next Tuesday. Okay. Good luck with that. Have Mm -hmm. fun. Or 
it would be, well, you know, if I could just make like 50,000 or like 60,000 or like, you know, like 80 would be like really amazing. They want to make some version of their last salary. Mm -hmm. And it was pulling teeth to get them to understand that that ain't going to cut it, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. So enough, (laughs) enough of that. And I just said, I'm not going to ask you anymore what you want to make. I'm going to tell you, right? So the entrepreneurial minimum wage is 120,000 annually. It's really easy math. It comes down to 10,000 a month. I figure month. And that's where we start. And nobody's complained. <laughs> Love it. And I'll even just uh, give Liz a bit of a plug here as well. What I recommend everyone do, join her Facebook group. Wait, out of curiosity, what's the name of your Facebook group there, Liz? 120k.club. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So if you like the sound of that already, join the Facebook group and you can check out what Liz does in there. But all right, cool. So we've got that minimum wage there, Liz. Did you say 30 days you can help people achieve it? Yeah, anything's possible with enough focus. And as we both, you know, have been saying, when you focus on someone else other than yourself, anything's possible. When you focus on getting your give back on, it all comes back to you. Awesome. Well, let's start there. Let's say someone's like, oh, Liz, you know, 10K a month, I'm doing one or two at the moment. You know, I 30 days, I can't see that happening. What's, What's step number one? What does that person need to do? You need to get really comfortable with the phone. And I don't do outbound cold calls. That's um, that's not my jam. Um, That's gross. Nobody likes to do them. Nobody likes to be on the receiving end of them. So when I say the phone, it's 100% not that. What I mean is if you're going to close something with a comma in it, that requires a conversation. Mm. Like, you know, there's B to C, there's B to B, but we're really like H to H, just human to human kind of Mm. contact. And humans do business with other humans that they know, like, and trust. And when we're going to give you a couple thousand, a couple 10,000 or whatever, there's got to be a really strong know, like, and trust factor. And if I've been following for some, someone for multiple years, then I might have no problem clicking a buy now for $10,000. But if I'm just getting started in the game and you want even a dollar from me, you either need to get on the phone with me to shorten that time frame, or you're going to have to drip a ton of content on me to build the trust. So if you want to collapse the timeline, you're going to have to increase the touch. Yes. Love that. All right. Let's spend a minute there because there's a couple things going on there. So yeah, love it because here's the other thing, right? You'll see a lot of in the course creator space anyway. Um, yeah, a lot of people will be like, all right, cool. I want to sell, here's a course, you know, I want to sell it for 500,000 bucks, you know, whatever it is. Um, never sold a course before, no following. And like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up a landing page and then I'm going to, you know, get a, a free lead magnet. And then someone's going to opt into that free lead magnet. Then they're going to go to my landing page and buy my $500, $1,000 course, you know? And if they don't, hey, I'll send a few emails and, you know, tell them that way there. And like, Maybe if you're Amy Porterfield, you know, and you've been in the game for for four or five years. And I think there's two things. Either maybe if you've been following that person for years. Okay, cool. Or if that person's a big name, if that person's a Russell Brunson, if they're a Amy Porterfield, a Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay, you know, you trust that you'll give that person thousands of dollars off a Facebook post or an email or whatever. If you're not those people, it's going to be quite hard to do. And the easiest way to shorten that cycle is via the phone, even, and even let's even just spend a minute here as well. Webinars are popular one as well. You know, Oh, look, I'll, I'll run a webinar and my opinion, anyway, I'd love to hear your opinion, Liz. I think webinars better than an email, especially if it's live, because you can still have some sort of human to human conversation, but it's never going to be as one-on-one 
as that phone call there. And I think for that reason, it's going to be harder, especially if you're struggling with, I think if you're struggling with sales and you're trying to do it via email, it's so hard. Right. Webinar will be a bit easier. Phone will be a bit easier than that still if you've got the systems. Would would you agree with that? 100%. I think anything um, that you're selling through uh, a non two-way conversation. Yeah. So a one-way medium, yeah. a Facebook live, a webinar, a podcast, anything like that. Yeah. You can get away with under a comma. Um, mm. I think 197 is like a really sweet spot and obviously anything mm. lower than that, but we can get into the nuances and numbers another day. But anything under a comma, you can sell without a conversation. But as I said before, a comma requires a conversation. So if you're looking to really do some... Um, you know, grassroots funding of your own business and really just get out there. You've got the energy and the time bandwidth to critical factors. Maybe you're lacking the funds, but if you have the energy and the time bandwidth, there is no reason why you can't reach big numbers in a short amount of time, period. It's by quality of conversation. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Love it. Question here, Liz. Now, I know your specialty is in the sales and the conversation side of things. Yeah. My follow-up question to that was going to be, all right, cool. How do we get people on the phone? Is that what you help with as well? Or should we just gear it more towards, okay, no, yeah, we're assuming you've got a list and you can get some people on there. Here's what you say. Which which way would you like the conversation to go? Yeah, so chicken and egg, right? So the if I look at somebody's close rate, and it's, I, I can reverse engineer that to analyze mm. where the fall in the process is. Gotcha. And a close rate is only going to be as strong as the quality of the person who came in. Mm. So it really is, especially if you're going for, for quality versus volume and not to say the volume can't be quality, but if you're really going for that quality conversation, that comma conversation, you really need to start with genuine human outreach and not look at it as big numbers. You need to look Mm. at it as this is another human that I'm going to help in the process. And this other little element comes up into the play uh, in the course creation space where you have to be okay with um, knowing that the course that you launched is version one Mm. of many. You have to be okay with that. You can't be, in my opinion, you can't Mm. be in my expertise. Let me not kneecap myself (laughs) in my expert opinion, um, in my expertise. You have to be okay with saying this is version one Mm. of my course. And I will continue Kaizen approach to Mm. refine and improve this over time as I'm working with my clients. And the only way I'll know how to do that is by having some sort of belly to belly contact with them, Mm. some sort of human to human contact with them. And you're not going to get that content, that contact, if you're pumping them through a funnel of just straight up automated nonsense that you're speaking Mm. to them, like they're Jenny generic, they're not going to respond to that. They're going to feel commoditized and they're going to you know, virtually give you the finger, which means unsubscribe, I'm good and never buy again. Love it. Let's spend a minute here as well, because this is a good point, Um, especially with the course creation space. 
what a lot of course creators will do is they'll do the one-on-one coaching first, right? Let me do some one-on-one coaching. Let me get to know my client. Great. Now I've got these things here. Now I can create the course. And that's great. That's a really, really good way to do it. A, another way to do it or a complimentary way to do it or a way to make sure that you keep growing is via sales calls as well. Let's say you're not a one-on-one coach at the moment and you might not even sell something to start with. Actually, no, scrap that because I'm speaking to a salesperson. You will always sell something to, to start with, but it might not be the, the full version or whatever, right? But either way, if you can just get on that conversation, you know, hey, Liz, what's happening? Look, I'm, I'm putting together a course on you know, how to grow your, your fitness business. You're a fitness trainer, right? Oh, sweet. You know, just run me through. What, what are you doing at the moment? Cool. How's that going? You know, what are you looking to do? Great. Why aren't you there? Oh, there's these three things here that are stopping you from there. Hey, if I had a course on those three things, is that something you'd be interested in? Hey, I've actually got that course or, or whatever. But either way, whether you sell or not is a different story. But just having that conversation right? A sales conversation, you can just get so much data, especially one that you don't close. Because if you close it, okay, great, you're doing right. But if you don't close it, that's just so much data. What are the what are the things these people need in the course that I can help them with there? So I just wanted to spend a minute there and just sort of be like, you know what? Sales calls, yeah, they're great for making money, but they're also great for doing research and seeing yeah. what it is your, your market want as well. What's What's your take on that, Liz? I actually call them market research calls. We have a yeah. couple of terms inside because sales calls, we call them sales calls. So you know what we're talking about, but that's, yeah. we use that language because nobody likes sales calls. Yeah. That's why they're so avoided. Yeah. Um, so we either call them service conversations or market research calls because yeah. that's exactly what it is. And I tell people too, coming in, I just like to manage totally honest, you know, expectations. I'm a self-employed single mom, right? I don't mm-hmm. want anyone else to go through some of the struggles that I've gone through personally, professionally, and otherwise. So I always mm-hmm. want to come out of the gate very, very clear and mm-hmm. honest with expectations. I am not the person, if you want to make $6 million by next Tuesday, I'm yeah. going to help you incrementally get there and grow your base through quality conversations. That's, I mean, that that's what it comes down to. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, cool. So let's go back to to getting on the phone then. How do we find these people to, to get on the phone? Is it a, 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 just a big ass email? Hey, this is what I'm interested in. You know, here is it, you know, um, networking one-on-one on LinkedIn. What's What are some tips? Let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, great, Liz, I'd... <laughs> Most people listening probably aren't thinking, great, I'd love to get on the phone and make all these calls, but they should be. And if they are, where do they start? How do they just start having these these phone conversations to start with? Where do we look? What do we say? You know, what do we send them? What what tips can you give us there? Yeah. So if we look at it with the, you know, back to our original point, if you focus on other people, what you focus on will expand. If you focus on yourself, your ego will expand. So when you're focusing on other people. Um, you're really looking at how do I get my give back on? And when you look at it through the lens of, you know, your first year or two in business is really paid for market research. That's what my point before that your first year or two in business is really, and the whole business is, (laughs) we don't tell them that out of the gate, but the whole business, the first year or two is paid for market research in your business. So when you're doing outreach with people, you're really doing it through the lens. You have to be doing it through the lens of genuine curiosity. Yeah, love it. And you have to be open and have the skill set and the ability to co-create a close with another human being. Yeah, gotcha. If you're looking at it through, how do I close this person? Cause I got a quota to make, then good luck for you. Mm. But if you're looking at it through the lens that this is another human being that I actually want to help. Like the way that those household names became household names, at least in our industry, Amy Porterfield, Gary Vee, and the others are because they actually help people. They get mm. results with people and they've been able to build um, a support system 
around that to serve people ab- absent of their presence. Mm. That's what a business is. It's an amplifier. Gotcha. Yeah. So you have to be able to connect with people. So the tactics are I actually have like a five, five step program. Um, it's totally free that I do teach in the 120 K club because, and I teach it for free because I want everyone to do this. Um, I call it the conversation creation challenge. Cause I was really creative that day. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> challenge you to create conversations. And if I can be a little crass here, um, I believe, and uh, this has been validated in other conversations, that the messages that we all get on LinkedIn and other places, like mm-hmm. the, hey, I saw that we had some connections in common, like, you want to be my friend? I got this thing for you to buy. Like, that's the dick pic of internet marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't ask for that. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah. Put it away. I Like, I have to go take a shower now. I'm not interested yeah. in looking at that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't do any of that spammy, gross nonsense. It's a very mm-hmm. human message. And I'll just give the message away here for your listeners that are that are present. Um, it, it's as simple as looking at, I have everyone start with your existing contacts. Mm-hmm. You've it. spent all of this time connecting with people. They already know you. Yeah. Stop going outside. And if you do it through the lens that, well, this person isn't a potential client, cool. They could be your best business friend. They could be your solid referral part. You have no idea. If you're not going to take a minute to invest in a conversation with them, why are you connected with them? You're going Mm. for quality, for quantity, not quantity. So I teach everyone to start with your existing list. I give them a framework for how to go through. And then let's say it's somebody that you've been connected to for a while, but you've never actually spoken to, Mm. then you send them a message. Hey, Sally, I've seen we've been connected for a while, but we've never actually had a conversation. Here's my calendar link. Would love to chat when it's good for you. Mm. Love it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It has like a 70 to 80% conversion rate. That's crazy. It's yeah. Well, it reminds me back. So my background's fitness, right? Yeah. And that's even, even if we're just talking fitness trainers, like, especially now everyone wants to be online and be the next, you know, YouTube sensation and, you know, have their own app or whatever. But like in terms of the fitness business, like the more conversations you have in that day, and I guess fitness is maybe an easy one because who doesn't want to be fitter and be healthier and look better naked. So it is a probably an easier one, but like, it's a good start point where it's like, if you can just have those conversations, you're going to make sales from there. So I, I love that there. All right, cool. So we've got our, our existing um, contacts. What about what, any other tips from there? If someone's like, okay, I've already been through those or, you know, I don't have a lot of them or, hey, they really, uh, or let's say they've already been through those. Then what do yeah. we do? Yep. So that's when you start getting really um, intentional about your other human connections. What other groups are you affiliated with? Networking Mm. groups are a fabulous place to start. What other personal connections can you have with another person, another human that's, you have to go like friend fishing. It's not about going client hunting and who has the problem that I can solve. If you can If you're going into every conversation looking for a client, you're going into a dead end road. Mm. If you're going into every conversation, genuinely curious where it can go. And I'll use this weight loss analogy. So when you start doing fitness and you start losing weight, like the scale doesn't want to budge yet because it's an evil invention and it hates you. So it's not going to move, but there's other things that are starting to happen. You're breathing a little Mm. bit easier. You're sleeping better. Your pants are getting a little bit looser. What are those called? Non-scale victories, right? Gotcha. And you, 
as fitness people, you teach people to look for those because otherwise they'll lose motivation, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, what I teach people to look for is what I call a non-sales victory. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to quantify those early results and they're all the time results, right? So looking at it through, and and what is a non-sales victory? A new business bestie, a new, uh, a podcast connection, a um, new networking group to play in, um, a great piece of business advice, somebody that you can bounce your, what do you do off of? Somebody Mm -hmm. that you can say, can you had a great sales page? Can you take a look at mine and tell me what you think? It's okay to do that in a networking call, Mm -hmm. right? These are all non-sales victories that if we don't acknowledge them as wins, then we are too focused on ourselves in a short-sighted goal. Because the other thing that comes out of these non-sales victories is you build no like and trust with people so that when you do your launch three months from now, you have someone who knows, likes, and trusts you that you didn't try to sell to, Mm. to now say, hey, remember that introduction I gave you? I got to pull the favor card now. I'm Mm. getting ready to do this thing. Would you mind blah, blah, blah. Mm. People underestimate the significance of building those relationships early oh, and often. Love it. Okay, cool. So much good stuff there. I'm going to spend a minute to recap this because there's so much good stuff going on there. Um, just the whole mindset is great. So anyone listening to this, you'll see that. So Liz is a salesperson. That's what she does. She teaches people sales. But can you see how she's not going in there and sort of being like, hey, here's how you close the sale today. It's like, okay, great. How can I genuinely help someone? All right. How can I be genuinely curious and find out what this person wants and then and then essentially tell them the solution. It's like, great, here's your problem here. I've got the perfect solution. It's this here or this here. That may be your thing. It may not even be your thing. It may be like, you know what? My program isn't a fit for this person at all, but you know what? This thing here will be perfect for it. Hey, you know what you should do, Liz? You should go and do this thing here. That's still a, a sale. It's just a different mindset shift where it's not like, how can I sell my thing? It's like, how can I help this person? And you know what? Most of the time, if I've done the stuff right, I'm going to help this person by selling in my course, which is going to result in the, the sale there. So I love that. And I think what's important here as well is like the lag time where it's like, if you're going in, all right, cool. How can I, with nothing, if you've got no background, no audience, no following, and you wake up today and it's like, all right, cool. You know, how can I make a sale today? That's hard work, right? But if there's a bit of a lag time, if it's like, you know what? I'm going to make some connections today so that when I launch my thing next month, hey, here's a list of people that I've already spoken to. Here's a list of people that I can get on their podcast with. You know, here's a list of people that, you know, I can write a blog for them or, or whatever it may be. It's like a, a bit of a lag time there, but you do this stuff now. And it's like, if a course creator came to you and they're like, hey, I'm launching next week, you know, with no list, no following, what do I do? So sort of like, well, what did you do last month? You know, that's what's going to determine your results for, for this month here. So I love that there. So awesome. All right, cool. So I think we've got some really good tips there, Liz. I think anyone you know can listen to this and get some people on the, the phone with them now. Now, quick question here, but then we'll get to the actual phone. When you say phone, can that be phone or Zoom as well? It's just a, a conversation or what's your what's your take there? It's a conversation. Um, I actually got into this uh, in one of the classes that I was teaching this morning. We were going back and forth on it. If it's not broke, don't fix it. If Zoom is your mm. thing and you're comfortable yep. in that meeting, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Gotcha. Where okay. I say phone over Zoom is yeah. A, because I've been teaching this before Zoom was like the yeah. <laughs> cool go-to thing. Yeah. Um, or is a little zoomed out. And also yeah. when you remove one of the sentences, one of the senses, you heighten the other. So okay. when you remove the eyes, you strengthen the ears. Gotcha. And when you are looking at yourself and the other person, 
you're focused on yourself and your hair and your makeup and yeah. your this and your that and the third. When you are fully present on the phone, you are able to listen more intently. And when you are listening more intently, you are a solution provider instead of a salesperson. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So phones preferred. Um, if for whatever reason we can't do phones, Zoom would be okay. Sure. Awesome. Okay, gotcha. All right, cool. So let's go from there. Someone's like, great, this is awesome. You know, I've booked a, a week of calls now. Um, what the hell do I say on these calls? What, yeah. What's And I know that's a whole nother topic and that's, you know, you've got a whole program on that. But if you could just give us some simple tips where someone could um, listen to this and at least get them in the ball game. Yeah. So let me break down a little bit more of the process here. So okay. you, you do the outreach. Con- this is all conversation creation challenge style, right? You do the outreach, totally normal human message. You yep. get them on the phone. That's a 30 minute networking call. Okay. That is 100% not a sales call. Okay. You did not set it up as a sales call. Yep. There is no expectation for a sales call. If you bait and switch it, then I'm sorry that I taught you the method right? Like that's not my jam. So it has to be an integrity with a 100% networking call. You need to be ready to support them, to ask them questions, to provide a connection or a contact or a resource to them. It doesn't necessarily have to be within your field. It can be something else. You're there to network and connect with another human. Now, the caveat to that is you can say to them, and I'll just give you some of the script. And I do have all of this. I, I give this away in the conversation creation challenge. Like Say these things, please, please stop saying the other stuff. So what you can say is, and this is with a little bit of finessing that people will get this down, but it's something to the effect of, so while you have me on the phone, knowing that I'm a sales and business coach, is there anything I can help and support you with? Like, did you recently stick your foot in your mouth in a sales conversation and you need to figure out how to get out of it while, while I'm here in the last five minutes of our conversation? Gotcha. You say that. They will say something. They will either say, no, I'm good, whatever. And then, you know, you be gone. And now you've planted a seed for a contact to to continue to nurture that relationship with down the road. And a lot of times they will say, actually, you know, it's funny that you say that. (laughs) And now they've opened the door. Still, you do not turn that conversation into a sales call. You both set an expectation that you're on the call for a half hour. You need to honor that boundary. Mm. A sales call also is a completely different energy set. It's a different expectation. It's a different set of rules to go by. So you need to create a different container for that. It's one hour. And then you need to have an intake form and like all the stuff around it because the process is the process that Mm. works. So in that conversation, when you say, while you have me on the phone, knowing I'm a blah, 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 how can I best support you? Is there anything? Go pick my brain. I'm here Mm -hmm. for you. What can I do for you? You need to be a little skilled in doing that. Obviously solve their problem and then say, you know, this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure I'd love to, if you're open to it, set up a time where we can dive a little bit deeper in. And if it makes sense, talk about ways that I would be able to support you through this. There's your sales twist. I'm looking at my, I have to go in a minute. Cause I know we were only scheduled for a half hour, but um, I don't know. Do you have time later today? Cause I'm flexible around three o'clock if that would work for you. Or what about tomorrow morning? How does that, do you have, do you have like an hour tomorrow morning? Strike while the iron is hot, get a schedule and say, cool. Awesome. I'm going to send you just a quick intake form that I have. Shouldn't take any more than like five, 10 minutes. It's really going to help us to maximize the value of the conversation that we have so that we can just like really make the most of our time together and then we'll take it from there. How does that sound? Let's take a quick break. 
If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Love it. Okay. Yep. Question in there. You did that so smooth. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if someone's listening back and they're like, there's, there's no way I can do it like that. I'm going to arm, I'm going to arm, I'm going to, is it, obviously step number one is joining your Facebook group and, and doing the challenge. Yeah. Um, apart from that, is it practice? Can you give any tips for someone to, to be able to do that as smooth as you did? Yeah. So it is practice, right? All of it is practice. I, I was born with the gift of gab. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. I teach bullshit for a living. No, I'm just kidding. But one of the cool things about my community, we're a tight community. We're a small community, but we're like tight, tight. And um, we're all awkwardly growing together. Mm. So there's actually a post where everyone puts their calendar link. You come in and spam, you're kicked out, be gone by. I don't tolerate that in my house mm. kind of a thing, but your yeah. community wouldn't do that. So I don't have to worry about that. But what I, what I what's great about that is who better to practice with than other people that are practicing? Who mm. better to be awkward with than other people that are maybe one day ahead of you in their awkwardness? Gotcha. Like. And then I work in batches of 10, again, easy math, have 10 conversations within the group with people within the group. You'll figure yeah, your gotcha. thing out and you'll yeah. recognize also that like, you don't sound as weird as you think you do. Mm. Then you take the next 10 conversations to your existing list of contacts and start with people that like, aren't going to tell you to go F off. And then mm. you have 10 conversations with them. And then you're like, Oh, get in the swing of this. Maybe I want to go talk to like a real person. And then you get to the next level and you go have like a real conversation. And then you're like, oh my God, I got a thing. A thing happened. And then you build your new evidence. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Good tips there. That makes sense. So that can happen in a week. This is where I said before, like if you have the, yeah. the time and energy bandwidth, 10 conversations a day is crazy pants, even for like the extroverted extrovert that I am. 10 conversations a week is pretty normal for someone who's like got life and other stuff happening, but mm. like you could totally do 10 to 30 half hour conversations in a week. If you space and pace yourself, mm. you batch three and then take some time off batch three, take some time off. You could crank out 30 conversations in a week and you've got fitness people in your world. So they're like <laughs> goal and motivation driven. They're like a week. I'll do it in three days. Okay, get them, Todd. Have fun with that. Question here, Liz. Now, yeah. I, I'm sold on sales. I think if you're running a business, it's like the most important skill to learn. Yeah. However, I know there's going to be people listening to this that are going to be like, oh, man, I've got to have these 10, 30-minute you know, calls during the week. I've, I've got to do this other stuff. I've got to check my emails. I've got to edit my course. I've got to do my, my video editing. Do you have any sort of mindset shifts or is there a way you can just say, Hey, I, I get some of that stuff's important, but if you want to run a business, you need to dedicate and you need to prioritize time for this. And I might even ask that question. Do you get people in your world like that as well? That's like, look, this is all well and good Liz, but I don't have time to do sales calls. Now in my head, it's sort of like you're saying, so you're telling me you don't have time to make money and you're in business to make money. It doesn't make sense. So I get it. But do you have any tips for the people that, that sort of have that mindset? 
I mean, yes, and right. There's some people that do enroll in my programs and then they're a couple months in and they're like, actually, I don't want to be on the phone. I'm like, you knew exactly what you were saying, but it's cool. Everyone's on their own journey, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's on their own journey and I'm not here to catch a falling knife. What I will say is that what would be the harm in having a conversation with someone, building your course with them or mm -hmm. running them through the beta course that you just built? Yep and selling it to them at a higher price point than you would sell it if it was just a standalone because you're going to give them some one-on-one -on -one coaching, mm. which is literal paid for market feedback, yeah. market research, yeah, yeah. right? So if we go back to where we started, which is the 120K in 30 days, think of it like this. You sell five people at $24,000, $2,000 a month for a year, and you're supporting them through your program. And you say to them, I've been doing this for years, but I haven't mm. like formalized it. So mm. I will hold your hand for a year. You will help in turn, you will help me to create my course, but you will get me in a level that I do not and will not have the bandwidth or capacity. So your first handful of clients bank error in their favor. Like they win the lottery with you because you're going to over deliver on them. You're going to double down and get your biggest results. Every new client interaction that you have with them, you can say, I worked with a client today who lost 20 pounds. I worked with a client today who gained, you know, whatever percent in muscles, same person, two different sets of results, and you're getting paid to do it. You sell five of those people, which you can do in 30 days. You can do. It's not, this is, I'm managing expectations. Yep. This is the exception, not the rule. Most people will close their first client within the first most people will, will come close to hitting the uh, five, five figures within the first 90 days. They'll close their first client within the first 30 to 45 days. And that's somebody starting, where am I? What do I do? I think I have a business, but I'm not sure. That's somebody mm -hmm. starting like brand newborn baby. Yep. 40, 30 to 45 days, you'll close a client. You can conceivably within 90 days, hit your first 10K. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That part all makes sense there. I love this system. Now that main call is, so you recommend setting aside 60 minutes for the, the sales phone call. Okay. Any quick, once again, I know there's probably, that's probably a, a three day workshop on what to say on the sales call, but if you could narrow it down to maybe, you know, in the next five minutes or so, what are some tips you could give the, uh, anyone listening to this? That's like, right. You know, I've gone, I've got some people on the phone. I've done the networking call. Great. You know, I've got some people that want to, you know, go to the next step here. What the crap do I say for an hour? What can you, yeah, yeah. can you give us some tips in five minutes or less? Absolutely. So a uh, three point formula to how to have a successful sales call every time it's 80, 15 and five, 80% of any conversation is the other person talking, AKA you listening. And these are the ingredients. This is not the recipe. So it's not the first 80%. 15% uh, of any conversation is you asking questions. Love it. Has to be a question. There's some exceptions to this, which is help me understand that better. Tell me more about that. That was really interesting. Can you say that differently? Keep going. Those sort of things. Sentence expanders, again, to feed the 80%. Only 5% of any conversation is where I say permission to speak freely is granted. Mm. Only 5% of any conversation is where you should be worried about full sentences coming out of your mouth. And here's the other thing. You don't get to sell to someone if you're not invited to. Mm. They have to invite you to say mm. that. So this is where it's a really interesting power move 
Uh, it's step seven of my 10 step formula for a perfect sales conversation. Step 10 is that you do the happy dance. So like, it's not really that serious. Um, but step seven is you return the power. Nobody buys from a disempowered position. And when you bring up sales, they are going to say yes, awkwardly because they don't want to say no, they just spent all this time. And now they're going to use money as the thing to get out of it. Mm. But if they bring up sales, they're interested. And this is how you do it. Step seven says something to the effect of this has been great. You, I mean, this conversation has been so good looking at all that you've done on your journey. You you've accomplished a lot, a lot, a lot. So what's next? What's the next move? Where do we go from here? Wow. And then nine out of 10 times, they will say, I don't know. You tell me, how do we work together? Mm-hmm. Don't mind if I do. Yeah. And then you go into it. They have to ask you. Occasionally the person will say, this was such a helpful phone call. Cause it is, this was such a helpful phone call. Thank you so much. I've got a lot to think about. And then you always schedule a something from a something cool. Okay. Let's keep this conversation going. I'm here to support you one way or another. So what's like three weeks from now look like same date and place. Should we get that on the calendar? But it's that step number seven. What's next? What's the next move? Where do we go from here? Mm that then they will say, I don't know. You tell me, how do we work together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't Love mind that. if I do. Thanks. Love that. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. So many good points. When it comes to money, I, I have to, I have to bring this in. Yeah. When it comes to money, you're going to talk about how you're going to work together, et cetera. And then don't go right into money. Mm. You have to pause for a minute. Money is where people get weird. So you just have to acknowledge that and recognize that whatever weird you're going to be dealing with is their weird. You can't bring your weird into the equation. I got a whole thing on that. When it comes to the money part, ask again. It's an obvious yes, but just do it to take the weird out of the room. All right, cool. So we've got this, that, and the third. That's what we're going to be doing together. Is it okay that we talk about money now? Mm. That's all you have to say. What are they? No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they're going to say, yes, of course. Absolutely. Like how much, what's the investment? Mm. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the NLP thing, which like I've, I've never actually been trained in, but people say that like, whatever I do is, is kind of that. Um, but it's that you're getting the small yeses along the way. Hundred percent. They're saying yes to themselves along the way. Love it. Okay. So many good bits of info there. I'll give that a quick recap. And then there's just a couple of questions I like to, to finish up with. So yeah, the 80, 15 and five, it's, Yeah, it's like, so I love sales myself. And even when someone tries to sell me, uh, I love just to have that conversation just so I can analyze some of this, you know? And if someone doesn't let me talk about myself and just go straight, I just hang up in their face, to be honest. And, (laughs) you know, and I know sales. And I'm not even, it's just like, just because I know this process really well. And I'm like, man, you don't even care about me, you know? And like, even if I know someone is trying to sell me something, at least if they make half an effort to get to know me and get to know my business, I'm at least open. And, and also, I guess I should spend a minute there as well. I can tell the real and the fake there as well, because you've talked a lot about this, Liz, about being genuinely interested, right? Yeah. I can tell when some people are just reading off a script. And I love scripts, don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between reading off a script and then just spitting out the next thing or yeah. reading off the script, actually understanding where I'm coming from. And then, um, and then, you know, getting into the next uh, bit of their script. If I feel that that person can understand me, okay, I'm open to the next part of the conversation. But mm-hmm. if they're just trying to sell, see you later, buy. So yeah. 
I love that 80% there of, um, of, of them talking, then the 15%, the questions, that's amazing as well, because it, it gets it less scripty as well, because it's not just like, okay, I've asked them this question. What's the next question? What's the next question? You know, it's sort of like a few, even if those questions are scripted, it just makes me feel like they actually care. You know, oh, they actually do want to understand. Oh, okay, wait, let me explain this in a different way. Um, even if their questions are scripted, it still makes me feel like they care more about me and they're actually interested in finding out what I do to see if they can actually help. And it's not just a generic, oh, yeah, that's what you do. I can help anyone go into this cookie kind of thing, you know? So I think that's cool. And then, yeah, the, five, the last 5% there and the last 5%, it, it should flow. It should be like, okay, great. Well, now I know exactly where you're at, exactly where you want. I've asked these questions and basically you've told me what you want to get to. And what I like to do on my sales calls is, is I use the hot button system where I'm like, okay, let me ask these questions to see what it is this person wants that's or what they're missing that's included in my program there. And if I can get them to say that in their own words, you know, yeah. hey, all if, if it was just something that had this thing here, I'd be so happy. And that's sort of my transition. It's like, oh, I've actually got a program that, that covers it. Do you want me to say a little bit about it? Oh, shit, that would be awesome. You know, and um, yeah, so I love all that there. I think that's amazing stuff. And yeah, with the money as well, the reason why I, I, I like a bit of a, a break as well is I think it's important to have a bit of a distinction where it's like, here's what the program is. Before even, I don't say these words, but what I'm, what I'm doing subconsciously is, is this, is this something you're interested in? You know, this is what yeah. I do. Are you interested in it? You know, before we even talk about money, let's just, are you interested in it? And what I'm sort of digging for there is I want them to be like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. How much is it? You know, or, or tell me, how do I do it? You know? And I feel if you don't have that sort of, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. There's no point in even getting to the money side of things. You know, if that person's right. umming and ahhing, the first thing they're going to say is, ah, it's a lot of money. You know, but if you can get them to be like, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Tell me how much is it, you know, and then you can have that, that conversation there. So I love yeah. that. Um, Liz, there's just a few questions I like to always finish up with. Now, the first one is around mentors. Now, you're obviously a mentor for plenty of women out there that want to grow their business, want to make more sales. I'm curious to hear who your mentors have been. And if you could answer this in a few different ways, if you could give us a paid mentor or mentors, you can give us as many as you want, but someone that you've paid money to and you've done their course or their program, whatever their coaching, whatever it may be, someone that you haven't done their program, but you follow them, whether it's your you know, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Uh, and then a book that you recommend everyone could read in your situation, if we could make that book specific to sales. Any book is fine that any you know up and coming course creator entrepreneur could read, but I think it'd be cool if you could give us a, a sales one because that's your sort of specialty. What can you tell us there? Paid, unpaid, and book. Okay, here we go. Uh, I actually just updated my website with a bunch of books because people have been because I'm such a voracious reader. I just color coded my bookshelf because I'm a super dork, <laughs> but I updated my website with a bunch of books on there that I recommend. Um, but paid mentor uh, is a woman by the name of Kendall Summerhawk. Um, she teaches a lot about money mindset for women more in the spiritual space. And I'm very, very alpha shocking. Um, so when I've been on my business journey, it's like, how do I kind of femme myself a little bit more? Um, so I can ease into things and not bowl everybody over with like my dominance. So following her, uh, in the earliest days was really helpful. And she had a very soft spiritual community that I was able to kind of ease into. I'd never seen business done by powerful feminines before. So that was 
everything for me. Uh, Non-paid would be her mentor, Allie Brown, uh, who's, you know, a pioneer in the women's business coaching space. And I've I looked at doing a program with Allie Brown and then that's how I found Kendall Summerhawk. Um, but with Allie Brown, following her again, uh, she was pregnant right after I had my daughter and it was kind of like, wait a minute, or I was pregnant at the same time or right around there, but it was, I'd never seen a woman honor her pregnancy while being a badass in business, like what is this unicorn that exists in the world? So just kind of following her and her journey and seeing her grow into a mom and seeing her grow into her relationship and all of these sort of things and the evolution of her business from being a copywriter, which the business I had before this one was a web design and marketing agency, did a lot of copywriting design and that sort of thing. So watching her grow from copywriting to business coaching to you know hidden millionaire to now all the things that she's doing, that's been amazing. From a book perspective, there's actually two that comes to mind because I am a strong social activist. My main keynote is, excuse me, ma'am, your wage gap is showing. So I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Um, I quote that at least 17,000 times a day. <laughs> and then the other one I would recommend is um, uh, The Divine Law of Compensation by Marianne Williamson. I think that for women, especially when it comes to our relationship with money, we uh, don't necessarily value ourselves. We've, we've never been given legit permission to have money. It wasn't until 1988 in the States that a woman was able to open a bank account without, you know, for a, get a loan for her own business without a man's signature. It wasn't really? Until, What's that, yeah. is that really? Yeah. 1974, a woman, a uh, married woman, was finally able to get a bank account in her own name without her husband's signature. That's crazy. Crazy. So we've never like legit had access to money. And then from a humorous side of things, everyone's like, oh, put all the money in your pockets. We don't even get pockets hmm. in our pants. Like they're sewn mm. on. They're not even like, so where are we putting all the money? But that's just, you know, but we've never legit been given access to money. So of course we're going to be weird about it. And mm. Marianne Williamson in that book just really addresses it from being brought up, uh, being weird with money and how she's just kind of reconciled that from a spiritual perspective. Okay. Awesome. I'm interested in some of these books myself, you know, even being a, a male, it's interesting to, you know, hear that other perspective, you know, things that don't even come into my mind. I'm like, man, you know, it's going to help uh, open my world if I read some of those. Well, so when it comes to wage gap specifically, it's um, it's it's not a woman's issue; it's a societal issue. Yeah, yeah. And we need men to be part of the equation, but the, uh, part of the conversation. And a lot of the reasons why I was just actually doing a, a talk right before this um, about social equality uh, and that sort of thing, and one of the reasons why men are very hesitant to step into conversations around wage gap, and rightfully so. Um, is because they think it's going to be a man, ba a man bashing session. Yeah. And a well, lot of times it does kind of take that edge when it's not a responsibly moderated conversation. But if we just look at statistically, even in the entrepreneurial space, male entrepreneurs are making 28% more on average mm. than their female counterparts. Mm. There's well, just, it, it's a thing. So men need to be part of the equation and support each other. And this is back to those networking calls and conversations we need to be cross-pollinating with each other we need to be having these respective conversations by you bringing me into this space and exposing mm. me to the audience that's one way to work on these issues together by supporting women in their fitness goals that's one way to move things forward so a rising tide lifts all boats 
Love it. I'll spend a minute here. I didn't want to get too political, but I think this could be a good good thing to to speak on for a minute. I think here's my take from from the male side of things. And I think this is sort of not even just a, a male female side of things. I think it's like any um, any situation where someone has the upper hand, whether it's like say in the moment in the wage space, it's like okay, males earn more more money. It may be a a cultural thing. You know, there might be a place where you know uh, one culture or one nationality has. You know, I don't know if power is the right word, but maybe it's better opportunities or whatever it is. I feel they're always hesitant to give it up because there's a bit of fear. They're always like, what I think some men might think is, hold on, I'm in the better position here. You know, if I give too much. Is it because they would be afraid that they would be treated the way the minority is treated? Is it because they have a conscious awareness that minorities are treated differently? (gasps) That, 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 but that, that's what it comes down to. And it's like, that's the, you know, that's the thing. It's like guys thinking, oh, hold on. If I'm in a good position, if I help women too much, oh, hold on, you know, I'm going to be down the bottom of the, the chain there. And I think that's, that's the, that's what I think. Whole, what's your thoughts on that? Whether, and whether it's male, female, whether it's, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but whether it's black, white, whether it's Muslim, Christian, whatever, like I feel, you know, if, if someone's got that dominant position, they can be scared to give it up. Would you, oh, yeah. So here's, so here's, um, here's what I'll say to that. Um, here's where men can have a very useful help in closing the wage gap. I believe that faking orgasms is the leading cause of wage gap. <laughs> I, saw this me- on, I saw this on your, your, your thing. Yeah. So I'm curious, say that again slowly. Cause I, I want to make sure I get this right. Faking orgasms is yeah. the leading cause of wage gap. Okay. And here's why. Yeah. If a woman does not have the power, confidence, et cetera, to ask for what it is that she really wants and desires in a situation where she is naked and vulnerable with somebody else who is equally naked and vulnerable, how the hell is she going to be able to do it elsewhere? Mm. That's point number one. Mm. Point number two is we get so sick and tired of men mansplaining to us, taking credit for things that they did not do Mm. when we are the ones gassing them up giving them credit for things that they did not do. Mm. So men, if you want to close the wage gap, make sure your woman actually has an orgasm. Love it. I think that's something they can be part of. Yes. Men do your part. Love it. No, and I'll just spend one more point on here as well. The way I see a bit of the, and I'm no expert. I never, I, I'm, I just look at it from someone that's done no reading, no research, just the, the, I guess the, the common sense side of things, right? The other thing I see with the the, the wage gap is like it's. Uh, let me think if I can articulate this. Like almost like a historical thing. It's like okay, if male entrepreneurs um, are making more money, it's almost like it's it's almost like natural for me to be like okay, well, you know, if all these other million guys are doing it, you know, it must be pretty freaking easy for me to do it. There's no no sort of thing there, you know. Whereas for a woman, it might be like, well, hold on all these guys, all these people are men, you know, it's like, maybe it's easier for a man or maybe, you know, you got to be a man to do it. And like, if nothing changes, that cycle will just continue, you know? And it's like, yeah, even, even if the opportunities, and I don't know if they are or not, but even if the opportunities are there for women to be successful, to, to, um, you know, to, uh, yeah, if they do have the same opportunity, just historically and seeing who's there, it's just going to be harder. And I think the other flip side to that as well is people usually like people that are like them. 
right? So let's 100%. say, for example, you know, the top, I'm just going to throw out numbers. I've got no idea. Let's say the top 50 entrepreneurs are all men or whatever, right? They're going to have probably these male characteristics, right? And the people that they sort of hire under them and teach how to do them and mentor them are probably going to have those same characteristics as well. So it's just like a, a cycle going down there where even if those opportunities do sort of exist, just historically, if those people up the top have those positions, the other people are going to look up to them and be like, okay, well, these people got these positions. That's what you need. And also these people that have those positions are going to teach the people, which I sort of get it where it's like, okay, you, you like who you like, you know, but if all those positions are there, it just, it makes it tricky. That's, that's my take there. Your, your thoughts there? A hundred percent. And that's why the two mentors that I mentioned, Kendall Summerhawk and Allie Brown, they're white women. Mm. That's who I had never seen anyone that looked like me doing what I wanted to do. So imagine mm. how difficult it is for women of color. Mm. They've never seen anyone do things that they think they can do, but they haven't seen anyone do it. And it doesn't mean that that dictates a narrative that they can't do, it, but it yeah. damn sure makes it harder. Yeah. It definitely. So you definitely hit a big nail on the head. And this is where it's really important for men to be our ambassadors mm. and bring women and women of color to the table to start modeling for others what is possible. When yeah. we can show up and show other women and little girls that this is what it's like when my daughter was getting together with her friends and they'd come over and I'm working from home and everything else. They were like, what do you do for work? And I was like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. They were like, what? And I'd break mm -hmm. it down for them. And they were like, oh, and I was like, you too can have your own business. Really? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So then we started a lemonade stand and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they'd never seen anyone mm -hmm. close to them running a business before. Now they have. Now it's, I took my daughter to the doctor one time and uh, the doctor was a man. And I know, obviously I'm a feminist. So I've always chosen women service providers, but this is where it really clicked on in me. The doctor came in, was a man. The doctor left the room and she said, I didn't know men could be doctors too. <laughs> yes, That's awesome. Yes! <laughs> for the win. I've done something right. <laughs> That's awesome. So she's yeah. just only seen women in positions of power and influence and authority. So that's like a no brainer to her. Mm. And that's what we need more of. That's how the wage gap is going to close. And 100%. I already oh. mentioned what men need to do. So yeah. well, there I'll you give, go. I'll give one more thing and then I'll leave you to it because I want to be sensitive of your time. Uh, I'm such a big a believer on you are who you hang out with, right? It's like, there's the old saying, you know, you're the average of, of five people you hang out with, you know? Now, being a uh, white middle-class male, it's pretty freaking easy for me to find five other successful, you know, <laughs> and, and let's say, for example, I don't have any kids at the moment, but let's say I do have kids, like they're going to look around, you know, they're going to be around, you know, uh, other people that are that are pretty successful, right? But if you weren't brought up in that, it can be hard to get in that environment. You know, if you're hanging around, whatever it is, if it's all, you know, uh, here in Australia, it's it's usually the Indigenous Australians that have it a little bit harder. And it's sort of like, you know, it's like if you want to get out of that cycle, like if you grow up and you're a, a white middle-class male, eh, it's pretty easy to just, you're surrounded by people that can help drive you up, you know. But if you're not in that situation and, and your family and your friends you know, aren't in those sort of positions. It's just so it makes it so much harder, you know, but if you can change that society and just get, okay, here's a couple people in that minority that are ridiculously successful, you know, okay. You know, the other people in that minority, whether it's a minority or whether it's, you know, just a, a person that's been, actually, that's a question. You can't call women minorities, right? What's we the, are. would you, okay. In, in sense, in sense of numbers or in sense of 
numbers and opportunities. Okay, um, yeah, cool. Statistically, white men are still the majority, though that data will be will be changing within the next ten to twenty years. Um, but right now, women and people of color are still the minority. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, anyways, hey, uh, I want to be sensitive of your time, Liz. So uh, let's leave it there. Anything you want to finish us off with or, or anything I forgot to ask you? I think the biggest thing is when it comes to having conversations with people, because that's the crux of everything that we're talking yeah. about, whether it's from a social you know, uh, activism perspective or for your own business and moving your business forward and helping others. When it comes to having conversations with people, if you step in it for the purpose of being heard, and you're all about yourself. Yep. If you step in it from the purpose of understanding and listening and being okay to be vulnerable and not having the answers and not knowing the things, it won't be like that forever. You'll find your power and your positioning and your language over time, but you really have to give yourself permission, at least for like the first 50 conversations that you have, which is a big number, mm -hmm. but again, chunk it down by 10, give yourself permission to be vulnerable in conversations and just show up as a genuine human. Those people won't remember you. They might mm -hmm. help you along the way, but it's more a focus of you learning how to, uh, to, to really, one of my phrases is speak your value and own your worth. Yes. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, Hey, Liz, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Check out the show notes for more free resources on how to sell more of your online courses.